Welcome to the show. My name is James Nielsen Watt, and in this show, we interview interesting, inspiring, and successful people so you can learn the secrets to success and can play the game of life, business, health, and happiness better. And the philosophy we take here is if I'm leveling up my game, you get to level up yours as well. So get ready to listen to some inspiring people who have figured out how to have success in all areas of life, health, happiness, wealth, business. We're gonna be interviewing them in this show so that you can learn the secrets to success that they share with practical advice that you can take and use today. So if you enjoy the show, please subscribe, please leave us a review, and please share it with your friends because if I can help you and you can help others, then we can help more people together and we can all level up our game together. My guest today is Ben Angel, an award-winning author, speaker, and online course creator specializing in marketing, personal branding, and influence. With over 350,000 international followers, his work has helped tens of thousands uncover the root cause of their fatigue, procrastination, and mental health concerns with his unique strategies on performance and productivity through his books, resources, and online courses. Welcome to the show, my friend. Super excited to have you on. Hey, it's amazing to be here. Uh, we had a good chat pre-show and, and, and you're another guest that I've had on that that's similar where in my early early days watching what you're doing and things like that and now gone full circle and had you on the show. It's quite fun. Um, so I'm excited to, to chat with you. I know you, you made me feel slightly old at the start, but that's okay. I'll get over it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'd love it if uh, you can tell us about yourself and what you do and what you were doing, kind of got what got you to, to where you are today. Yeah, so originally I started out in the self-help field, got in my early 20s where I became an accredited life coach and then I can transitioned into business coaching from there. So I ran a B2B networking event for I think seven years in the end. So I was doing a lot of public speaking, speaking at 60 plus events per year and then eventually I ended up getting burnt out. It's very hard to keep up that kind of pace when you're speaking at sometimes seven or 10 events in one week, you kind of wake up and go, okay, where am I? Who are these people? What am I talking about? <laughs> to kind of ground yourself. But it was kind of, I think about four or five years ago, I completely burnt out. And I just started having symptoms of depression that kind of hit me out of nowhere. And it didn't matter how many doctors I saw, how well I ate, how much I worked out, just nothing worked. So I ended up kind of going for a bit of a moonshot to go, right, I got to fix this problem. I'm not sure how I'm going to do this, but I pitched a book idea to Entrepreneur Magazine here in the US. And I said, look, I want to biohack my way to better health within a 90-day period and overcome this depression anxiety that I was facing. And to my shock, they actually contacted me six months later and said, yes, we want to do this, at which point I freaked out and thought, how am I going to do this? Because I didn't know when you're writing a book, especially nonfiction, you generally have an idea of where the book is going to end, which helps to guide you in the writing process to get it done quickly. But in this case, I was thinking, I signed a book contract. They paid me my book advance. What happens if I don't get better? <laughs> like I have to give all of that money back. And then I have to, I'm effectively still stuck, not sure what to do. So I went on this crazy 90-day mission and interviewed health professionals around the US. And 
finally wrote the book and it really blew up. So I think we've sold over 80,000 copies now in its second edition. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. And so obviously you're, you're in a state where you're continuing that stuff on, on the regular, I would presume, and uh, you're sort of starting to, to develop that further. What's been the, the effect for, uh, I suppose, your audience, uh, for lack of a better term, you, you're finding that a lot of people are implementing and yeah. reaching out? And- well, it kind of blew up. We used quite a strong Facebook advertising campaign when we first launched and revealed to people the story that I was going through and people just automatically connected with that. So we launched off the back of that a 13-week challenge to help people become unstoppable and implement different biohacking frameworks into their daily lives. And I think we ended up with well over 10,000 members during that time period and thousands of amazing testimonials from everyone, from individuals who'd spent over $20,000 trying to get answers to their health issues to effectively get it through the book and the program within a space of a couple of weeks. So it's been incredibly humbling because I don't have a nutrition background. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychologist. But we've had those practitioners recommend my work to their clients, which was when we started getting those messages, it was just like, okay, this feels good. It's making a difference, but we, we have that credibility attached to it, which was really important. Yeah. I think that um, most of us, but I especially notice it in, in my field in healthcare, that we can know things, but we can't necessarily concisely articulate it. And either that's to our clients, but then also to ourselves, because health professionals tend to be useless at looking after themselves. <laughs> um, yeah. um, what are some What are some sort of, takeaways you can give us from that experience that maybe, you know, you thought were going to be the ways of uh, making a change and it turned out to not be, or they were turned out to be just things that we, you know, often we, we're told things from friends, family, doctors, etc. We, we believe things to be true. What was yeah. it that you noticed that actually ended up being true? Well, I think coming from the self-help field, I automatically believe that you can fix almost anything with psychology. So think your way out of a problem. And then through researching the book, it was really quite a powerful moment for me personally and for a lot of others who have read it, is that when we look at a peak performer who's healthy, fit, high achiever, we we look at their psychology, but we don't necessarily look at their biochemistry and what's actually happening in the background. So we get these amazing books that tell this incredible journey of success, but we don't necessarily understand, okay, uh, what's their nutrition like? What are they doing specifically that works for them? So I started asking the question, what would happen if you took a peak performer and depleted them of vitamin D or magnesium or introduce gut distress or even antibiotics to their diet, what would actually happen to that individual? Well, in looking at all of the research, hundreds of different studies and speaking to all of the, all of the different professionals, of course, they're like the rest of us. They'll become depressed. They'll become anxious. They're most likely put on weight. So I started with that question in mind and worked backwards from there. But I think the other realisation is in speaking to all the different doctors initially when I was trying to find answers, that 
everyone has their own solution. Everyone mm. in the health professional field, which I love and adore, there is an issue which everyone has a particular bias towards a particular type of treatment. And it's very much every single health profession works in an individual silo. Whereas in researching the book and trying to get to the answers for myself, it's no, it's not one person over here. It's about seven different things that all compound together. And that was probably the biggest realization for me in looking at how can we pull all of this together? Because it's, it's not just one thing. It's not just sleep. It's not just nutrition. It's also gut health and a myriad of other factors that we need to consider. It's, um, it's the age old, you know, when you got a hammer, everything looks like a nail, but then there's yes. this sort of cognition <laughs> bias as a health professional where if I know that if I'm doing this and I spent a whole lot of time to learn and do this, and there's something else that might be more uh, effective, I almost don't want to, to notice it because then what does that say about all the years and effort and energy you put into this? And so I double down on this instead of going, hang on a second and then, and broadening. And I see that a lot, um, it's it's tough to uh, have an acknowledgement that there is weaknesses in, in what you're offering. Um, and I, I don't necessarily see that as a weakness. I th- see it as a strength if a health professional can go, hey, you know what, I'm not sure, but here is someone else in this other field that may be able to help you with that. Because I tell you right now, if I'd heard that from the doctors that I first went and saw, I would have been 100 times better at that point at least I would know that there were different options available because when I think it was the last uh, appointment I had with a doctor in Australia I'm now here in Florida in the US but she effectively said to me that hey you're probably going to have to live with the fatigue and the brain fog potentially for the rest of your life and you kind of have to accept it and she also said that I would never get off asthma medication, which in my head at the time, I thought was potentially a cause or a trigger of my depression to later find out that it was. And I've been off asthma medication for almost three years now. Now, I want to be super clear. I do not have a cure for asthma, (laughs) but just working my way backwards to look at all of those underlying triggers it's kind of empowered me to take my own health into my own hands. But as health professionals, the most empowering thing they could ever do for a patient is to say, look, I really specialize in this field, but this field over here may give you some answers. That's like a weight lifting off a patient's shoulders, especially when they're desperate for answers. 100%. Uh, 100%. So if this is is what we do to... Uh, you know, resolve quote unquote uh, issues. What did you find on the other end where you had people uh, who who are looking for an edge or looking for more performance, et cetera? Were there uh, obvious things that you, you could add or change that would sort of unlock further potential? Because some things, you know, with hindsight, of course, some things are, are obvious. If I'm drinking all the time, I'm probably not going <laughs> to perform well. And so by removing that, or adding a couple of things, eating a bit healthier, I'm going to get back to sort of a stasis point of maybe where I should be, but what do we do to get to that next level? 
Well, I think that there's two steps. The first step is it is subtraction instead of addition. So most people look at when they want to focus more, work longer hours, be more creative, have better mental cognition and mood. They typically look at, okay, what are the 20 different things I can add to my diet? What are the 20 different supplements that I can add to my daily life? Or how much more can I exercise each day? But the reality is, is when we surveyed as part of this project, we surveyed almost 60,000 people internationally. And we asked them 30 questions each based on both psychological factors and biochemical factors. So we looked at everything on the psychological side from do they have a purpose? Can they focus? And then on the biochemical side, do they experience brain fog? Have they had antibiotics recently? Um, Are they on any form of other medication? Do they have gut health issues? So the first step for us was to look at, okay, what are these underlying triggers that no one typically considers? Now, antibiotics, for example, as most people know by now, they wipe out your good and bad gut bacteria that we need microbial diversity to produce those neurotransmitters that are going to turn us into a peak performer. So if we're missing out on certain bacteria that help to produce certain neurotransmitters like dopamine or serotonin, dopamine 50% is produced in the intestinal tract. What we found was that in surveying almost 60,000 people, almost 50% of people had some kind of gut distress. So we looked at that and went, okay, that's something that they're just not considering. That's got to be considered before they start adding other factors to their lifestyle. So start with the fundamentals first. Then on the other side, the second part of that is to look at, okay, what about nootropics? So say, for example, if someone wants to focus Caffeine is a phenomenal nootropic. However, I do have issues with it, which is that it interferes with our brain chemicals that help to produce effectively panic attacks and anxiety. And in my case, if I have anything more than 150 milligrams of caffeine per day, I will have fatigue in the afternoons that will not be fixed by another cup of coffee. My anxiety will be through the roof. My adrenals are out of whack. And I will feel scattered in my thinking. So when we're looking at adding new things, I would start with some basic nootropics such as L-tyrosine, which is an amino acid, as well as L-theanine, which is personally one of my favorite ones. And it's in this glass right now. I drink it almost every single day. But what L-theanine does is it not only helps with dopamine, but within 30 minutes of consumption, it starts producing alpha brain waves. So that's the alert yet relaxed state that we get into when we're in that creative flow state. And I had a massage therapist, a friend of mine, I gave her some before she actually treated a client a couple of weeks back. And the client said that that was by far the best massage that they'd ever had. And my friend said that she didn't know what was going on, but she was just in a state of flow. She led with her intuition instead of being in that state of fight or flight. I find that the average person doesn't realize how much control they have over their state, uh, their health, 
uh, and and their life, we tend to sort of run on autopilot and consume the food that's given to us and make assumptions about its quality and et cetera. Um, and then we have this sort of awakening when we realize that, oh, actually things, you know, aren't maybe as they should be and maybe I have more control. Yeah. What would your advice be to help someone to, to break into that for the first time? Maybe they're being exposed to the show and they've heard some other things in there and they're, they're hearing it, but it's kind of bouncing off. Like what would your advice be to, to help someone have that awakening that I have more control? Maybe this might be true. I want to go down this rabbit hole of sort of seeking better health and, and performance. Yeah, I think we need to get to the fundamental premise of if anyone wants to become unstoppable, the number one thing they have to control is their fight or flight response, first and foremost. And that can be influenced through your food as well as your psychology. Now, when it comes to nutrition specifically, there's kind of been an explosion in the online world in the last year where a lot of foods are being labelled bad when they may not necessarily be bad for that individual that is consuming them. And that's where I started looking at nutritional psychology and the gut microbiome. So say, for example, if someone has gut dysbiosis, their gut is imbalanced, then certain foods are going to trigger them. That could be bloating, other digestive issues, brain fog, and fatigue. Now, when we're fatigued, it is far easier to turn on fight or flight so you lose control over your emotions. The blood literally drains from your prefrontal cortex and goes to your primal brain. Now, the prefrontal cortex is where we want to be. It's in charge of our personality, our cognition, how clearly we think, strategizing, and it effectively keeps us calm. But if certain foods like caffeine trigger one person, but it doesn't trigger the other, then we shouldn't automatically label caffeine as bad or a different food group as bad. It's up to each of us to acknowledge what is my individual response to this food? How, how am I reacting to it? Am I having an inflammatory reaction and it's causing neuroinflammation? Hence, I can't focus for the rest of the day. But that is the most important thing I think anyone can do right now because the information online is incredibly overwhelming and people are getting anxious and going, well, what the hell should I eat? And we don't really want to put people into a position when they're having food anxiety because once the anxiety kicks in, that's going to interrupt your digestive system anyway. So your response may have been a normal response to it, but now you're anxious because you just ate something that you've been told that you shouldn't. Now, obviously, there are certain food groups that we should probably avoid without a question. But I think for anyone, biohacking to me is about personalization. It's what is my individual response to this external stimulus and to this particular food group? If it doesn't work for me, it doesn't work for me. I know even chocolate. I love chocolate. But I will have brain fog and surprisingly, I will actually get angry the next day if I have chocolate, which sucks <laughs> without a question. But I, I know it doesn't work for me. If I'm going to have that one day and then the next day I can't write or do my job or film a video, then the cost of me having that, the price that's being paid isn't worth it. 
Exactly. The the thing I'm hearing uh, you say, which which I see a lot in in the business space, is, um, for example, uh, to now not give a business example, if <laughs> if I'm wanting to you know be a be a, to run faster, right? I probably don't need Usain Bolt to coach me on my launching off the mark. I don't need to wear the special pants. I probably don't need to have the special shoes because I'm probably just slow <laughs> and I just need to do the basics, right? Like if I want to be good at basketball, I don't need, you know, Stephen Curry to show me how to shoot. I just need to learn how to bounce a ball. And you know what I mean? Like, I think that we all uh, tend to make an assumption that the stuff that the top are doing, the, the, the micro changes would be great for us because the best are doing that. And the reality is that we probably just need to make some more fundamental shifts that are larger and then over time refine that if we're wanting to perform at a higher level. I see that with people running Facebook ads. I see that with people, you know, doing it with their, with their health, going to the gym. Um, we need to be making fundamental changes. Uh, yeah, and we can't ignore genetics in this either. We absolutely cannot ignore genetics. I will never be an athlete. <laughs> I've accepted that. That's okay. But I know that I'm a good writer. But for me to be the best writer I possibly can be, I know that I've got to optimize my brain function first and foremost and manage my emotions. I mean, writing a book, if anyone's ever done it before, they will know how hard and complex it is. I mean, up, updating the second edition of Unstoppable was one of the hardest things I've ever done because if we took things out and introduced other things, the 300-plus references in the back of the book it suddenly change. <laughs> so you have to remember what you wrote in a 90,000-word book. And I think for people who want to become a peak performer in their specific field, there's a very simple framework that I give to people that's helped a lot, which is the Identity Gap for Success model. So effectively, we surveyed these 60,000 people and then we divided them up into four different categories. So four different identity types. So the first identity type is a defender, then we have a guardian, then we have a synergist and a catalyst. So the catalyst is the peak performer. They equate to 6.4% of the people that we surveyed. And then the defender is struggling with depression, fatigue, brain fog, digestive distress. They're on some form of medication. We know that they don't eat well 90% of the time. So there are a multitude of other factors there. Then we have the guardian, which is slightly better than a defender, but still struggling. The defenders and guardians represent almost 50% of the people that we surveyed. Now, defenders, if someone gets ranked as a defender, they've most likely had suicidal thoughts in the past month as well. So we need to consider that and suggest immediate steps for them to speak to someone. But then we have the synergist who's kind of on the cusp of greatness. They're, they're working, but they've got a few little things to fine-tune before they can turn themselves into a catalyst. Now, if we think of this as a battery, so a catalyst is you know, 85 to 100% charged, synergist 50 to 75 to 80% charged, then the defenders and the guardians sit below 50% charged. That's both psychological and biological energy. The defenders and guardians simply just don't have it there. Now, a lot of the time we're expecting the defenders and guardians who have brain fog, can't keep their eyes open, struggle to get through to the end of the day. We're expecting them to make serious changes 
and push through with willpower. When we're in that mental state, it's extraordinarily hard to make that massive change happen. We have to start small and get, like you said earlier, the fundamentals right, come back to the basics before we add anything. Now, at the 50% threshold, that's where I call self-preservation mode. So when we dip in our energy levels below 50% threshold, that's when self-preservation mode turns on. And it's much like your mobile phone. Every night we go to bed, we plug it in, we charge it, we wake up, it's fully charged. But by the end of the day, if it hits 10 or 5%, battery saving mode will probably turn on, which shuts down all of the background tasks. The energy drops, the dim, the screen dims. You probably can't make a phone call. You certainly can't watch videos. That's why I explain to people is that's what occurs for defenders and guardians. So it's important for them to recognize what has triggered my self-preservation mode. Because when we're in that state, we are in fight or flight. We're in our reactive mode. We're likely to snap at people. And I know when I was a defender, I was snapping at people. I cut off friends because I couldn't deal with anything. I had a light sensitivity, sound. My brain just couldn't cope whatsoever. So one of the things I suggest to people is to keep a daily journal and track. Am I having gut health issues today? Have I consumed too much caffeine? Which may sound like a simple question, but from one of my YouTube videos, we've had thousands of people comment that they finally realized the caffeine was the trigger for pretty much all of their health issues, especially depression, anxiety, and panic attacks. Um, we asked them, have they been eating well throughout the last 24 hours? So we try and bring awareness to, okay, what are the triggers? Let's not focus on what I'm not doing right now. Let's just focus on what I'm doing that's causing this mental state. And once we drive that awareness, that's when they go, oh, I actually have some control over this because I know what the trigger is. Because at the moment, I've been blaming it on my lack of you know, mental strength. And for many people like myself who grew up in the self-help field, that is the first thing that you blame. <laughs> if you're depressed, we immediately assume that, oh, I have to force a positive thought. No way in hell can we find positive thoughts if we're in that primal state of being. But once we get that awareness, it gives that little glimmer of hope, which kind of gets them to the next step. No, I, I, uh, yeah, I, I agree. And something you said with the, with the caffeine, I, I find uh, funny from my perspective, not so funny, you know, when we're in it and, and, and have it bad. It's like, I think I was reading some study that caffeine is helpful uh, when you don't have caffeine. When a person who has had a lot of caffeine has caffeine, they think they're getting a boost and they're really just returning to a, a sort of an average state. It's kind of like uh, a yeah. doctor once told me about methamphetamines doing the same thing and that you you have some meth on a Friday night party and then you have some on a Saturday and then you have to have some on a Sunday to get back to normal and then you're doing it yes. every single day. And it's not that it is, uh, you know, don't quote me on this, but super addictive in nature. It's the fact that I need to return to a sense of normality and caffeine has a similar effect where we're constantly loading up because we associate it with energy and, and a boost um, and then when we get tired, like you said, in the afternoon, we go and have some more coffee and then we 
don't get the effect, but our brain is still humming too much and we can't sleep and it creates this yeah. horrible cycle. I've definitely had that and myself. Caffeine is effectively resetting your baseline when you have it. So if without caffeine you function normally, you're great and everything else is okay, but once we have it, we need more to achieve that same baseline. And like a nootropic, we adapt to it. So if you're constantly having caffeine, you're never having a break to it, then you are going to need need to consume more and more to have that same effect as when you initially had it. So when we're talking about nootropics such as L-theanine or L-tyrosine, I recommend to people you need to cycle them. So five days on, two days off, five days on, two days off, and then maybe once a month take a week off. And then when you come back to it, you will notice the effects immediately again. But caffeine, that there was one story that I came across when I was researching the book, a story from Ruth Wallen, who was committed to a psychiatric ward with depression, bipolar, multiple personality disorders. So completely struggling. Well, thankfully, one doctor came along and realized it was actually caffeine at the cause of all of it. And she went on to write her own book and tell her own story about it. But the bottom line is caffeine is great for some, for others who are sensitive to it, like myself and like millions of people out there who don't know it yet, that it can be dangerous to some of us, especially for our mental state and especially if it's inducing panic attacks and depression. So, you know, we see um, I lived in Melbourne for most of my adult life, Melbourne, Australia. It's very much a caffeine culture. But we have to realize that, yes, we feel great. And I know a lot of people are going to say, I can't give it up. My, you know, you may not need to give it up. But what I'd recommend is gradually wean yourself off of it over a 30-day period then go for another 30 days without it at all and just see how you feel. That's, that's the best indication. Um, when I was seeing clients in practice, those that were smoking, some would say to me, uh, you know, well, you're probably going to tell me to stop. And I'm like, and I would say, no, no, you can, you can keep smoking. Um, just do it outside in the cold and rain with no friends, no coffee, yeah. <laughs> no cake. <laughs> and um, buy the ones that you don't like. And they said, well, I don't want to do that. And I go, that's funny that <laughs> yeah. same thing with coffee. It's like drink that horrible, sorry, Americans. What do you, what do Americans have like that? Just horrible. I don't know. American oh, the, the, the creamer. Yes. American coffee is horrible. Just go and drink that for outside <laughs> of the world. Right. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. just have the one that you don't enjoy. Like I, if I was to, yeah. if I was to make like a, a like coffee in hot water, just like a long black or whatever, I don't really want to drink it. And, yeah. and when I realized that about myself, I went, Okay, so I'm doing this because I I like it and then I justify it with other things. And yeah. I found myself that often we have habits because we're either we're being reinforced in some way that we're either choosing to not be aware of or are just not aware of. And it, especially with those things, our food and and our mind, often it's who we're around and uh and and the things yeah. that we, we see in here and the interactions that we get from people. So and we need to, especially with caffeine, it is a psychoactive drug. It is addictive. There's no question about that whatsoever. But we just have to understand, like with anything in our lives, if something is reducing our ability to perform, we need to ask the question, what is the price that we're paying for this? Like it's all well and good to have your favourite cheat meal, but if you have brain fog the next day, 
and it's triggering your own inflammation and you can't get your work done for the day and you feel like hell, then you've got to ask, is it actually worth it? Mm, exactly. Um, what, uh, what are you working on at the moment? Have you got uh, any new books, uh, new shows? What, what's going on? <laughs> what am I not working on at the moment? <laughs> um, God, where do I start? We're relaunching a online program called Project Unstoppable this week, which is where we kind of pull in this entire framework together to help people make these incremental adjustments to help them become unstoppable within a 28-day period. Uh, I recently wrote a book on nutritional psychology and the gut microbiome, one of the most complex books I've ever written in my entire life. So we'll be re-releasing that, hopefully, I believe, in the new year. Um, and a lot of videos for YouTube, just really ramping up the video content more than anything else, but diving into different ways that people aren't aware that are affecting their stress, their cortisol response, their neurotransmitters, to just drive that awareness home that, like you said earlier, you have more control than what you realize. And that is the most important piece of all of this. But one of the big lessons I got out of writing the book Unstoppable is life is not a controlled experiment. That was by far the biggest one. So it didn't matter how many different blood tests or gut health tests I took, you know, you'll get one answer and it's going to take you down a completely different rabbit hole or something else might counteract what you're doing that's meant to benefit you. So then you kind of go back to square one. You have to keep coming back to those fundamental facts of what are the triggers? What are the triggers? Did I accidentally reintroduce caffeine back into my diet or did I eat something that caused my gut to become imbalanced and that's why I have brain fog and I can't think clearly it's coming full circle every single time but life is not an experiment and I think the last couple of years have really proved that we have very little control over external factors but what we can do is just make sure that every single day we sit down with ourselves and go, what's helping me right now or what's hindering my brain function? Because brain function is everything. Mm, I couldn't agree more. Um, where can our audience find out about what you're up to? And and, and I'd be recommending them to take a look at, at, at Project Unstoppable for sure. Yeah, sure. Um, if they go to areyouunstoppable.com. So are you unstoppable.com and they can actually take the free quiz online to find out what their identity is right now. One last question. And, and I ask everyone and it's, it's my favorite question. Um, I'll give you 30 seconds. What's okay. the most important thing you ever learned? Oh my God. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, wow. I've done a lot of media interviews and this is the first time I've been really stumped. I think the most important thing I've learned in the last couple of years is that I need to do visualization on a daily basis to really manage my thoughts, manage my projects. Um, it helps me to overcome procrastination. So I do mental rehearsal on a daily basis of what I've got to get done for the day. And on the days that I don't do it, I'm ineffective. I get 10% done what I would normally get done. 
But when I write a book, I can write a 90,000 word book in a matter of maybe three months if I do it on a daily basis. So I think mental rehearsal and visualization is probably the most powerful lesson anyone can have. That's good. I like that. Um, the, 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 some of the answers that, that guests have brought us um, have been quite, I find that whenever I bring someone like you on the show, you've got this plethora of knowledge and these things you, you do and talk about. And then when someone shares what the most important thing they ever learned, it's often uh, completely off from what we were, what, what, how do I put it? Not what you're about, but like, you know, I might've expected you to say something along the lines of, you know, everything we talked about today. And then you come out with something like that. And it's like, that is what underpins all of it. Uh, and I really uh, enjoy asking that question for that reason is that we get to hear those things that are meaningfully driving uh, uh, the person I'm interviewing. So I appreciate that. Oh, it's my pleasure. I want to say thank you so much for coming on the show. I've had a lot of fun. Uh, it's been nice to, to actually chat with you after following you for years. And uh, I hope everyone got some value out of today. Uh, everything's going to be in the show notes. And thank you so much for, for coming on the show. Awesome. Thanks, James. Thank you for checking out this episode. If you liked it, please make sure to subscribe and share it with your friends. And if you're a healthcare professional who wants to get serious about business, check out practiceowner.com where we have a whole lot of resources on helping you to grow more impactful and more financially viable practices. So that's practiceowner.com. Go and check that out if you're a health professional serious about business and don't forget to subscribe.